When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're into hour number two, one minute after 11am. Daniel McCarty is here. Here is Grant Elliott. I am Grant Elliott yep. and I am in Auckland. Daniel McCarty is in Wellington. But you know what I heard, Daniel? I heard it was 16 degrees mm-hmm. and a beautiful day. It seems like I leave Wellington and the heavens just open up with beautiful weather. Mate, this winter's been weird in Wellington. It has been, been no wind. Yeah. Um, you know... If, if climate change is real and we're going to get less wind in Wellington. Mm. Oh, the Riviera, as you call mm. it. It will become the Riviera, mm. wouldn't it? The Riviera of the South Pacific. That's the one. Wonderful. Another glorious day um, from memory because I'm in a windowless building <clears throat> studio. Um, I actually have, you know this place, Grant. We have to walk a long way just to see a window. And you, you wander <laughs> in some days, it's glorious, and then you wander out and it's horizontal rain. You're like, what on earth has happened in the space of three hours? Do you want me to describe what's Wellington? happening in... In my studio here, in the mothership. Yeah, do you have a window? Feel do you like have a window? Can you can you look at? I feel like I'm on, you know, the whatever the Star Trek Enterprise, you know, mothership was. That's where I feel yeah. like I'm in, you know, the operating room here. I can see Logan just straight through there. We haven't actually introduced him into the show, so I think we should. After I just hello Logan. This, this. I was just going to hello right friend. Now. <laughs> hey guys. Yeah. Good to have you, hey, brother. Oh, it's nice to actually finally meet Grant in person after all the times texting him, bugging him. Can you come on and talk to Smithy, please? <laughs> and abusing me about the coffee orders. I saw that in your show. <laughs> wow. Mate, it's all love here. It's all love. Oh, is it? Not in he's this a well- show. He's a Wellingtonian at heart, is Logan. He's a real coffee snob. Yeah, I am. Despite the fact I come from Tauranga, yes, massive yeah. coffee snob. Yeah. yeah. I love my coffee. Well, Logan, one thing on this show is that uh, Daniel puts the boot into me and so did our ex-producer, Ben. So that was the common sort of trend. I walked in feeling quite buoyed and then I, I walk out pretty leveled, I think. Uh, <laughs> they try and level me out, don't you, Daniel? As a, as a former athlete, Sorry, you think... Sorry, I wasn't listening. You, Sorry, I wasn't listening. What was that? <laughs> I said, as a former athlete, you feel like I need to be pegged down a little bit, just you know, brought back down to earth. But well, I don't feel like... We, we, like to reflect, we like to reflect society on the show, Grant, and tall poppy syndrome might be a thing. <laughs> I don't have my feet on the ground today because I'm in the mothership. I've got five, six, seven, eight... TV screens in front of me. I've Do got you? basketball. I've got tennis. I've got horse racing. I've got a rugby chat show. I've got the major league cricket in the background, of which Corey Anderson just pumped it all around the corner. And then I've got a screen with your face on. <laughs> and and uh, you know, and? My, f- my favourite would be the Saturday session. Is watching you. <laughs> you are a very good looking man, aren't you? Yeah, that's my blue steel for you. Just for you, Grant Elliott. Here's my blue steel. You're welcome. You're very, very welcome. And thanks to everyone who's played a part so far in the first 64 minutes of the show. You may continue to do so. Best, par- best way this hour is uh, via text, 
Uh, Gary writes, Morning, guys. What rubs me the wrong way is the Southlanders saying Forrester rather than Foster. They are two different names. Not sure if they do it to rub us the wrong way or they are just a little dim. Cheers, Gary. Or um, that part of the country has an ex, original accent, maybe. Yeah, okay, but Gary, it, whatever floats your boat, mate, what are, you're in the draw. You were brave enough to message in. It did sound South African, Forster, with a V, V-O-R-S-T-E-R, when he said it, Forster. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know Work. about that. It's the rolling R's. Beautiful, beautiful yeah. dialect down south. I won't have it. I won't have it, Grant. I won't have it. That's where my stock's from. Well, I don't know if my accent changed when I was on stage with um, Craig Joubert and Skulk Burger because normally when you hang out with uh, South Africans, or for me, obviously having come from South Africa 20 years ago, my accent does change a little bit. It can get a little bit more South African. Um, (laughs) And I get abused by um, all my South African mates saying, what's this accent you've got now, this hybrid accent? I don't put it on. It's just, you know, that's me. That's you. You're being authentic. Here is the latest in sports headlines. The Black Ferns have been in the United States by 39 points to 17 in the women's international match. Uh, surprising, considering they were down 17-5 at halftime and had a player sent off after two minutes. Extraordinary second half comeback by them. To golf now, and Rory McIlroy leads the Scottish Open by a single stroke at 10 under after two rounds. Uh, Daniel Hillier is tied for 10th at minus six. He's been in great form while Ryan Fox two shots further back in a tie for 20. Ninth uh, to the LPGA, the Greater Toledo LPGA Classic. Park of the United States leads at uh, minus 11 after an eight under round number two. We scroll down to tie for 13th to see Lydia Cohn, a tie for 13th. Um, minus seven for the tournament, three under. Uh, the UCI bans female transgender athletes from women's events. Yes, the International Cycling Union joined the governing bodies in track and field and swimming as top tier Olympic sports addressing in this way. The issue of transgender athletes and fairness in women's sports. The UCI's decision comes after American rider Austin Phillips became the first openly transgender woman to win an official cycling event in May. And football, the Matildas of Australia have beaten France by one goal to nil in their final tune-up for the FIFA World Cup. And they will head surely into the tournament full of confidence after taking down the number five ranked side of the world by one goal to nil. Mary Fowler's composed strike inside the air in the 67th minute uh, proved the dis- uh, difference. It's another major scalp for the Matildas who have claimed uh, on the road to the World Cup, adding France to a list that already consists of Sweden, England, and Spain. Wow. Uh, that's an impressive uh, run of results uh, for the Australian women's side ahead of the uh, FIFA Women's World Cup. Uh, England are ranked fourth, Sweden a third, France a fifth, and Spain a sixth. So Grant, they've been in the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth uh, ranked sides. Uh, but this leads me nicely into rub the wrong way. They played in front of, guess what, Grant Elliott? 50,629 wow. people at Marvel Stadium last evening. And that does lead me into rub the wrong way. What does rub me the wrong way in association with rum and cure, award-winning rubs, sources? Well, I looked on with envy seeing that result for Australia and their women's football side, the Matilda, and their final tune-up for the World Cup, which, of course, they will co-host with New Zealand. That 1-0 victory over France, impressive, but it's the number of fans who were there. 50,629. Australia are a top 10 ranked side and will give everyone a run for their money, especially if they play in front of crowds like that, partisan crowds. Well, what support? The Australians are ready to answer the call and cheer their team on and support the best 
of the rest from around the world. Let's hope we can respond with support through the turnstiles once the tournament starts. No one, no one likes being trumped by the Australians on this side of the Tasman. Now, I know times are tough for many of us financially, and I'm stoked over 300,000 tickets have been sold for New Zealand-based games at the tournament. And I'm not going to berate you for not buying tickets. Rather, just a word of warning. I, I do hope you understand how big a deal this is. Surely this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity mm. for us to host a Women's Football World Cup. I don't expect to be alive the next time it arrives down in this part of the world. And if you are pondering, pontificating, procrastinating about purchasing a ticket to a game, like the Nike ad, just do it. Just do it. Four groups will play all their games in New Zealand, so um, we will be able to see some quality sides. And if you're able to get to Hamilton, uh, Auckland, Wellington, Dunedin, I don't think you'll be disappointed in my humble opinion. New Zealand find themselves in a nice-looking group with Norway, the top-ranked side at 12th in the world. New Zealand are 26th. While it will be tough uh, for the football ferns, they should be viewing a 46th-ranked uh, date against Philippines as the must-win game. Well, they should give themselves a real chance to get something out of their group game against Switzerland. The Swiss are just six places ahead of New Zealand on those world rankings. But across the other three groups that will be based in New Zealand, you will see a lot of talented teams, including the biggest beast in women's international football, the US of A, the most successful international women's side, having won four World Cups in 91, 99, 2015 and 2019. They'll take on a top 10 team in the Netherlands in a sold-out group game in Wellington. Let's not forget Spain, the sixth-ranked side of the world, will surely be favourites in Group C. They're really a stylistic side, and uh, we'll probably find it tough against the always competitive uh, Japanese who sit just outside the top 10, while the third-ranked Swedish side look a class above the rest in Group G. You will see plenty of quality, and I hope many of you will do that. Go for yourself to see. So plenty of reasons to take part. Don't regret missing out. If you can find a way to get to just one game, I'll repeat, just do it. And if you are there, especially for the New Zealand games, make some bloody damn noise. This is not a time to be passive. Be passionate. You can help your team. Enjoy the tournament, and we cannot wait to bring you all of the action with our commentary of the tournament right across S-E-N-Z. That's what rubbed me the wrong way. 50,000 in Australia and a win. Come on, New Zealand, let's respond. Um, experience rum and cues, award-winning barbecue rub sauces and seasonings. Absolutely perfect for any occasion. What's rubbed you the wrong way? Well, you do let us know. Carrie has written in, what's rubbed me the wrong way? He's sorted all the sheep and cattle, you say, so I could get all finished in time for the rugby tonight. And the young fella hasn't shut the bloody gate properly and has mixed everything up again. Bugger. Carrie. That is disappointing to hear. You know, if you can't trust other people, if you can't trust other people, you might have to do it. We will take a break 11 minutes after 11 o'clock. Get your nominations in for what's rubbed you the wrong way, I can carry. Coming up, though, it is time to talk some cricket. Granted, I will ponder the big stories of the week in cricket. There's been plenty of them. Uh, coming up next, it's Swinging Both Ways, our Resine Cricketing segment. Resine for expert paint and colour advice. The Saturday Session Cricket Update. Thanks to Razine for expert paint and colour advice. Yes, it is time for our Razine Cricketing segment, affectionately, lovingly known as Swinging Both Ways, with Razine for experts, paint and colour advice. Grant Elliott, there's lots to discuss. We could talk about the now or the past or the future. Um, let's go the past. Topic number one, Gary Stead. Gary Stead, mm. very successful New Zealand uh, coach, will remain in charge and across all formats of the game. What's your reaction? 
Yeah, I got asked uh, this on on Beave and Kim's show, and I think that my reaction about it was I'm pretty sure that earlier on in the year they were talking about split uh, roles happening, and a lot of countries are doing that. You see, obviously, McCullum doing the test uh, matches for England, and then you see Matthew Mott doing the white ball stuff. Um, I think that it's the natural progression of things. Maybe we're not quite there yet. Um, The reason why the split role for me will work well is because I don't think that you'll have as much churn with your coaches. I think that you then they'll have rests, they'll have the ability to go and maybe do some franchise stuff as well in and around, you know, coaching the New Zealand teams. But what you need to do is I think you need to find out uh, who's going to be that director of cricket. It's finding a director of cricket. So I think Gary Stead potentially you know, if this goes to mid-2025, maybe we'll be in a position where Gary Stead can be the director of cricket and then underneath him, you've got three coaches or two coaches that will then go and, um, uh, um, you know, speak to Gary about their role. Um, so the structure's not there and with David White leaving as CEO, maybe the timing was right to just kind of reaffirm Gary, sign him up till 2025, give a little bit of consistency. And the reason why consistency is good is that that's why the, the Black Caps have been consistent in performances is because the support staff has been consistent around them. When I was in a, a, for five years, uh, we had a different um, coach in, in, you know, five different coaches in five years when I played in the era where we did terribly. And then suddenly we got consistency and then that translates into consistent selection, which translates into consistent performances. So I think it's a good move, but you know, the, the one thing I will say is that a lot of these coaches need time off because they're traveling so much, they're missing yes. their family. Um, so that's one thing that I think why the split coaching works a lot better. And I think we'll probably see that move in 2025 then once he's finished. It's incredible to think we've only had two coaches over, over a decade. Yeah. We? Yeah, yeah. With Stead and Hessen. And, and, you know, what does that lead to? Our most successful era, of course, that, that's a very simplistic um, way of looking why they have been successful but certainly played a part now hasn't it? Absolutely I think you know the the reason why it plays probably the biggest part is what I alluded to earlier is selection so you've got that relationship with uh, you know the black cap selector who they, they yet to appoint someone else after Gavin Larson's gone to Warwickshire as director of cricket but um, that the, when when I played in an era where we were poor Every game you thought was going to be your last game. You thought, Gee, if I don't perform here, I'm out. It was just sort of in and out selections. They're looking for silver bullet selections. Whereas now they give players the confidence and the backing um, to, to play enough games. And almost you have to prove them really wrong to get out of the team. And that gives the player the, the freedom to go out and express themselves. And that's exactly um, you know, what happens with a lot of players. We see new players coming in and doing very well. Someone like Daryl Mitchell, you know, he was in and out for a, a while. But every time he came in, he felt comfortable in the environment, in his role. And the communication is just crisp and clear. Excellent stuff. Let's move on, shall we? Um, another cricketing league has appeared. Another cricketing league in the U.S. of A. The United States of America, Major League Cricket has started um, the Texas Super Kings, who, uh, and you're the expert on the T20 leagues, uh, Grant, because you've played in nearly all of them. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> I assume they are, they're tied to the Super Kings in India, uh, the Texas Super Kings, where one Devin Conway made 55. Um, pretty good top four. Uh, Faf Duplessis, who was amazing in the uh, IPL, uh, out first ball, 
David Miller's in that side. Mitchell Santner, Dwayne Bravo. They made 181 for the loss of six, uh, facing the likes of one Lockie Ferguson, who took two for 23 off four overs, uh, against the Los Angeles Night Raiders. Martin Guptill, um, gone without scoring, looking at other Kiwis in that one. Lockie Ferguson coming well down, made one because he had to bat. That's never a good sign. Bowled out for 112 and 14 overs, the Los Angeles Knight Riders. Um, and the Super Kings start with a comfortable uh, victory. 69 runs. You've got it on the screen there. People have turned up. People have turned up. Yeah, it looks like there's a, there's a crowd in today. And actually, I, I just want to talk about today's game because... That was obviously the Texas Super Kings, but the San Francisco Unicorns versus the Mumbai Indians, New York. And uh, Corey Anderson just got 91 or 52 balls. Yes, that's Corey Anderson, who played in the 2015 World Cup. He just pumped seven sixes and four fours, um, and their team got 215 for five. I was watching him hit... Rabada to all corners. Rabada came on, he was two for five of two overs, and he ended up with four overs for 32. He got absolutely smashed in his third over by Corey Anderson, who hit him for three sixes. So it, lo- it looks like a decent competition. The one thing I will say is, you know, you've got the same players that are playing in kind of like the IPL that, you know, travel to, to play in these teams. And when you, when you look at the teams, they're obviously based around... Um, the the IPL teams. So you look at that that Texas uh, Kings, and you've got the likes of Mitch Satner, uh, Faf Duplessis, um, and Devin Conway, who all played for the Chennai Super Kings. So what we're seeing is we're seeing franchise cricket, and we're seeing these IPL teams buying up teams in other leagues so that they can extend their reach, um, which is a danger for international cricket. Everyone knows that. It's a huge danger. Um, you know, I'm watching Kieran Pollard bat now at the moment, and you know he's in the same colours as he was for Mumbai Indians. So there's a lot of uh, resource being put into American cricket by the ICC. They believe that this is a territory that can expand with the game, and a territory that has been expanding with cricket. So um, mm-hmm. a bit of a test run, I guess. But with the backing of ICC and all the IPL owners, I think it'll be nothing but a success. Should we talk about the big issue though? What is the it? San Francisco nickname? San Francisco Unicorns. I, 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 I have issues. I have issues with that. Why? <laughs> it's a dreadful nickname for a sporting team, isn't it? A unicorn. It, it's not very intimidating. A unicorn. That's not it, very intimidating. Don't rainbows come no. out of the horn? You know, like it's not. You don't. It doesn't <laughs> strike the fear of God into you. Kevin no, Mialamu, lightning strike <laughs> behind the head, doing the haka. We're playing the unicorns. Yeah. yeah. Going to cover us in. Uh, fairy dust, I don't know. Candy yeah. floss. Yeah, candy <laughs> floss. Something like that. Only the big issues here on uh, Swinging Both Ways in association with Razine, of course. Grant Alley and Daniel McCarty uh, looking at the big issues in uh, cricket. Uh, right, let's move on from the United States of America. Um, let's go to a marquee test match series. Grant, we've been utterly captivated by the Ashes uh, three matches and three really gripping encounters, and England, to their credit, have given themselves a chance. They win the remaining two, they win the Series 3-2. A drawn series will see Australia retain the Ashes, uh, but a brilliant response from them. Over the last couple of weeks, we've had some good friends uh, calling, Grant, from all parts of the world, haven't we? Former Irish international, Mark Hardier, uh, called in from Zimbabwe, didn't he? He called in from Zimbabwe late in the night to tell me I know nothing about cricket and that Australia are not a better side. Um... I did enjoy the in Australia going up 2-0. Um, I'm less confident at 2-1. Uh, 
Uh, Grant, uh, do we have someone joining us this week? Because, we, you know, we like to be fair and balanced on this. We like to get both sides of the coin. We do. We always, we like to be fair. We like to have parity, as our All Blacks uh, listeners were saying in the forward pack. We want parity. Can you explain who's on the line? Yes, I just got a text earlier, and it was someone who um, I played a lot of cricket against in Holland in my formative years uh, in the Netherlands playing league cricket. He texted, and he's from Melbourne, Australia. It's Christian Sizen phoning in all the way from Australia, and he is pro-Australia, I'm guessing. Sizer, how are you? Great. How are you, buddy? I'm good, mate. How are you? Oh, can you tone that Aussie accent down a little bit? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, hey. I love, Turn I it love up. that voice. That wow. is the voice of an Australian cricket Turn fan who knows what's going to happen, Grant. He knows his side's going to win the Ashes. Sizo, I want to ask you something. Does that shirt that I gave you, that stretchy sort of uh, uh, black cat yes, shirt, I does it, it. it still fit you? It does, mate. I still work out in the gym now and then when the All Blacks uh, win uh, a rugby match. Not saying that you're from New Zealand anyway, but anyway. <laughs> um, but if we just rewind a little bit, mate, and go back to the Holland days and uh, when you were bowling against me when I didn't actually know you that well, you are trying to bounce me and a lot of verbal abuse. Um, <laughs> We uh, actually uh, got on quite well after that and did a bit of travelling. And the thing is, I, I know your co-host there said uh, that he carries you on his shoulder a lot. And I can tell you what, uh, for all the viewers viewers out there, I carried uh, Grant a lot. I do remember he was at the lowest point of his career. He didn't even have a career there in Holland. And um, I had to stout him beers all night at a lovely bar called 2005, which is 2005 Cafe Bar. He had a, he was a bit teary-eyed and... We didn't, I didn't see much of him the uh, last couple of seasons after that we did, obviously, and a uh, good friend. And then uh, next thing you know, he's playing for New Zealand. I thought, geez, he's doing all right here. Sent him a few messages. Then he's playing in a World Cup. And I thought, oh, this would be a good chance to catch up. Sent him messages. And, uh, and do you think he gave me anything back? He gave me absolutely <laughs> donuts. <laughs> donuts. So uh, my, point, my point, I know I haven't got much time here, but my point being, I gave him so much at his lowest point of his life and then when he was at his highest point of his career, gave me nothing. Oh. Oh, that's Grant Alex in a nutshell. We've got a new weekly correspondent. I think. Yes, I think we do, mate. I've got a lot on Grant Elliott, I can tell you that much. I think we need to send Sizer some rub and cue for this barbecue, I reckon. We're sending some rub oh, and cue, Pat, to... To just to, to patch up, I must admit, Sizo, what I will say in my defence, okay, and I know that you yep. you can uh, abuse me about this. I actually turned my phone off for about yeah, six or seven months. days because I had 186 WhatsApps, same amount of texts, and I had emails. But that was to all the people that. Uh, so thank you for trying to get in touch but with me. Mate, it was probably that- to abuse me though, to tell me that the Aussies were going to absolutely smash <laughs> me in Melbourne. But, hey, if I were to turn my phone off and you and your lowest point, mate, where, did, where would have you gone? Hey? Exactly. I, I owe a lot to you. So, Sizer, let's, let's get on. I mean, you're pro-Australian. Yeah. We know that from the of accent. Of What's happening with the Ashes? Who are they going well, to play? What? Are they going to play Mitch Marsh and Cameron Green together and drop yeah. Warner? I think, uh, you know what, I think Warner's going to stay. Warner will stay. But why not uh, keep the two, uh, the two all-rounders and drop, depending on the wicket, obviously, whether we have Todd Murphy in or not. But um, why not? If the wicket's not going to turn like they thought it was going to turn in the last test match, and it didn't. So let's have a look at the wicket and then see 
uh, our uh, availability with who's fit and who's not and, and go from there. But why not pay the two all-rounders, attacking batsmen and, and good uh, attacking bowlers? Is there, is there a little bit of intrepidation now? Because I said last week, um, I said on the show, I said Aussie 5-0. I said Australia yeah, have the yeah. better team and now suddenly England have gone, you know, they've they've managed yeah, to wrestle right. one back. Is there a little bit of intrepidation or is it 4-1? Yeah, no, no, no. Four. Look, I... I Let's rewind a little bit again. Your lovely, you're not your, you're not New Zealand, but uh, um, McCullum, obviously, with this spaz ball, or we call it spaz ball over here, but um, <laughs> you guys did, you guys did get under our skin, uh, the New Zealand, uh, the English did get under our skin in regards to this spaz ball, because we were like, oh, you know, you've, you've won, what, 11 tests uh, out, of, out of 13, doing so well. And it did, actually, we're talking a lot about it here. We thought, oh, geez, what's, what's going to happen? But obviously, that de- declaration early from Stokes, a lot of talk about that, but uh, it got under our skin. But after we've gone two 0 we said, "Oh yeah, we got you know." I think we've got a little bit cocky here now. Thought five 0 but I'm I'm hoping for cricket's sake that it does go two two and we go to the final fifth test. How good for cricket and test cricket would that be? Because you know I think this all this T oh. Twenty slog and bog along that uh, it kind of doesn't rule <laughs> the game. But I'm I'm 50 years old. I love the old tradition, the test. So let's go let's go two two, and then Australia win it three two in the final fifth. Well, it's been a brilliant series, and that would, uh, you know, uh, line it up, arguably be the finest Ashes that we've seen um, in, the, in the modern era. It's been wonderful for you. One thing I'm confident on, guys, uh, about Australia coming back, Steve Smith just hasn't fired yet. Yet. I'll say it again, yet. I know he's got 100 yeah. in this, but 190 runs in total, averaging take over 31. Grant, that's going to change, mate. Steve Smith's too good not to win a game. Well, well Smith yeah. and Labuskakhni as well, or Labuschain, <laughs> as he calls himself. I don't know what happens uh, when you go to Australia, change your name. But, um, yeah, they, they, they've struggled a bit. Well, not, not so much Steve Smith, but that's where they've been dominant. And I think if England can just get the ball swinging, Chris Wokes has been very good um, acquisition for England with bat and ball. Um, you need to get them early. If you don't get those guys early, they score big. A little bit like Christian Sizen used to in the Dutch league for oh, high CSC. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. But what about Anderson? I think we, you know, when we, when Anderson isn't bowling, we love it when he's not picked because he's to me he's he's a fine bowler. He's a he's a match winner. He gets those two or three wickets early. Old Trafford is it going to swing? Are they going to produce a, a green top? What are they going to do there? So we rate Anderson big time. So we're, we're hoping that he doesn't get picked. Oh, Sizo, it's bloody good to hear from you. And I'm sorry that yes, uh, my phone was off during the, um, oh, the 2015. No, you're not. But you know what? I think that Daniel, because he loves putting the boot into me, you're probably going to become a regular on the show so that you can get the boot into me as well. Daniel and I, mate, you just keep carrying in because I carried in for most of his life. So <laughs> you, just, you, can, you can take on the bat so- You can take on the bat now. Size out, we are kindred spirits, my friend. I look forward to speaking to you again real soon. Thanks for dropping by and giving us the Aussie perspective. Okay. Thanks so much, buddy. So excited to be able to bring you the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup when it kicks off next Thursday. Of course, we thought this is a great opportunity to reflect on how far the game has come, how far the sport has come in this country, by reflecting on the 1991 uh, World Cup, the first ever, the inaugural uh, tournament, uh, for which, of course, featured New Zealand as well, and a player who's right at the heart and soul of that team and at the heart of soul of New Zealand 
of football for this part of the generation uh, joins us now. And we're utterly thrilled to welcome an absolute legend of football in New Zealand, Maureen Jacobson, who, uh, when she retired, she had 53 appearances, was the most camped uh, women's international footballer, was number two on her goal-scoring charts with 17 as well. A story career both home and abroad. Went to the UK, I think, won an FA Cup with Millwall. Surely there's a couple of stories in that, but uh, she joins us to reflect on uh, New Zealand at a World Cup. Maureen, thanks so much for dropping by. I hope you're doing well. G'day, Maureen. G'day. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. Yeah, uh, It's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. You're pretty excited for the 2023 tournament? Yes, very excited. It's, um, I think the, it's sort of, the, the year has gone quickly, but I must admit the last month has gone pretty slowly, sort of waiting for these games to roll on and sort of seeing all the, the teams arriving in, in the countries and uh, all of that sort of stuff is all, yeah, it's very exciting. Maureen, I've had a little bit to do with, I guess, the inner workings of, of this tournament in that I've seen out at the NZCIS in Upper Hutt, uh, we spoke to Jamie Tauss. He took me for a tour around, and obviously the Swedish women's team were going to be there and just showed me the facilities and just how FIFA lay it on. And yesterday I was at Eden Park, and just to see how Eden Park was getting ready for, um, you know, the, this world tournament. And, you know, the, the fresh goals were there and the nets, and it's just so exciting for any football fan out there, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I do remember when we we played in the first World Cup in 1991 that yeah, FIFA did lay it on. We sort of stayed in a really nice hotel and the pitches were really fantastic. Um, sort of certainly a lot different to, to what we were used to playing at home. But um, yeah, I guess that's sort of how the women's game has developed and uh, it's great to see. Well, walk us through 1991. Firstly, getting there. Um, amateur days, uh, you and, and your teammates probably needed to balance, you know, full-time job studies wherever they were professionally. How challenging was that? Um, did, did you feel like you were sort of starting behind the pack in some way? Um, yeah, I guess we, we knew we were going into the tournament as uh, big underdogs. Um, you know, those teams have much bigger budget and yeah, I think there was some professional sort of or semi-professional football going on um, on the other side of the world. But yeah, I guess we we just loved the game. Um, you know, it, we didn't expect anything. We just sort of took leave to uh, attend the, the tournament and pre-season, you know, all the training that we had to do was just sort of basically done for, for the love of it. But you know, um, didn't expect anything from it at all. I think you'd, you'd played for New Zealand for well over a decade uh, prior to the tournament in 1991, but 91 was a great year for you. You, you win an FA Cup in Millwall. Did you feel right at the top of your game? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I... Um, it was... I think I was trying to show the light and, and lead the team because I was sort of reasonably experienced um, going into the World Cup, uh, sort of played overseas, so been exposed to sort of different, um, you know, team setups and formations and that sort of stuff. So I, um, yeah, sort of had that sort of uh, leadership role in, the, in with the team as well. But, um, yeah, I think 
everyone in the team was sort of all fizzing and had trained really hard to make sure we were at our peak fitness um, to attend, you know, to play in the World Cup. This this ha, team ha, ha. now, Maureen. Sorry, sorry, Grant. Go ahead, Grant. The, the, the team that we've currently got, you talk about experience, and I do believe that when you get into these uh, world competitions, that experience counts for a lot. Do we have experienced players in this team to actually take us through and, and be um, competitive? Oh, definitely. Like, um, you know, there's five or six players that have over 100 caps, so... Um, yeah, that's just that experience is um, invaluable, really. Like, um, you know, you know what to expect. Uh, you you don't sort of have any huge highs or huge lows. It's sort of trying to keep the team on an even keel. Um, get get everyone sort of prepped as to what what to expect in these tournaments because um, there's a whole lot of stuff I guess that now especially that goes on outside what happens on the training pitch um, which you sort of yeah you've got to be across as well. Well and I'd like to know what are your memories like of the games in 1991 and I asked this because I was stunned when I when I pulled up the results um, you played three games in four days well essentially wasn't it? Yeah. Like, like um, imagine trying yeah. to ask the teams today to, to do that. It's ridiculous, <laughs> absolutely ridiculous what they asked of you. Uh, it must have yeah. been a blur. Yeah, was, um, oh, I didn't actually didn't realise that, but um, we, we played in national tournaments um, when I was sort of playing. I think they, the national tournaments, so you're representing your region um, every year. Sort of, and we used to play sometimes twice a day, but it's wow. sort of most most uh, most of those tournaments. Yeah, you're playing one one game a day, so yeah, they've got it easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's quite. If you look at you were Group A with uh, China, Norway, Denmark. Um, China finished top of the group. China kicked off against Norway on the 16th, and the group was over by the 21st of November. <laughs> it was literally cracking the whip. Um, you know right. how how well do you think how well do you think New Zealand sort of handled the occasion when you reflect now? Um, yeah, I mean it was that was pretty much a, a learning experience for us for sure. Like you know we, I think facing Norway in the first game, um, you know we we just sort of looked at these players and you know they were all sort of five foot ten, some some six foot players and very physically sort of confronting I guess compared to, to our team um, and yeah that I think it's probably fair to say most the three teams that we did play were probably technically better than us but we we just fought for each other um, we're there for each other and you know I think put on a reasonable display uh, you know, doing doing it for our country, really. So, Maureen, when you look back at it, you obviously had some sobering losses and you talk about, you know, you're in awe and you, you're probably a learning experience. In hindsight, what do you think you could have done differently to be competitive? Is there anything that you think you could have prepared a little bit better because the expectations there, you weren't too sure what to expect, were you? No, not at all. I think um, probably... Probably having uh, playing other, because I guess when 
when we were building up for the tournament, like we had, we beat Australia basically to get to the tournament. Mm. Um, and, and Australia were always our, our toughest um, team, I guess, because we played a lot of games this, this side of, well, you know, of the Tasman and uh, in Australia as well. But, you know, I think yeah, if we'd have gone for a, a month sort of going overseas to Europe or something and playing a few of the European teams or something like that, I'm sure that would have probably put us in a um, better position just to know what to expect and the, the type of play, players that we're going to come up against. But, yeah, I mean, I guess that was asking people to take another month off work and or studies or whatever, and that probably just wasn't feasible at that time. Do you think 2023 will reflect 1991? I guess what I'm saying here, uh, the United States beat Norway, who again, you played in group play by two goals to one to win the first of four world titles. When you look ahead to this year, are they a class above? Are they are they favourites? How do you judge the modern game? Uh, I wouldn't say they're favourites. I'd say they're one of probably five or six teams that I think could could lift the trophy. Um, you know, I think, yeah, it's just all fine mar- margins, isn't it, really? Like, who, I think the the American team have a bit of, or have some experience that have, you know, they've got players like Megan Rapino and Alex Morgan who have been there, done that. Um, yes. But they've also got a lot of young players that don't have a lot of experience, Um so it'll be interesting to see how, how they go, actually. But, I mean, yeah, the, the American team will be... They're always strong. Like, um, they, are. they sort of see this as their big, the big stage to perform on, really. Well, Maureen, it's been awesome having you on the show and really do appreciate you sharing some stories from 91 and reflecting on the, on the current state. I, I do... I, if you had an opportunity, and I don't know if you have, but if you, were, if you were in a room right now standing in front of the football ferns in 2023, what advice would you give them? Um, I'd say, yeah, just just enjoy enjoy the experience. Um, it's such it would be such an honour. I mean, I'm never got to experience, but it would be such an honour to play in your home country. And you know, um, I guess what they what they do on the pitch is going to be reflected possibly in the development and the growth of the women's girls games um, in the future so yeah just just soak up that experience and, and enjoy enjoy yourself yeah fine words and enjoy it yourself I'm sure you're getting along to a few games thanks so much Maureen uh, for, for dropping by thanks, go enjoy Maureen. a tournament hopefully it's successful for both both host nations mm, yeah for sure no thank you very much it's been um, great to chat Thank you, Maureen Jacobs, an absolute legend of New Zealand football, part of our trailblazing 1991 side, the first side to uh, play at a World Cup. Yeah, amazing how times have changed. You know, four or five days to get through a whole group. Right. Can you imagine? You cricketers could even do two games. Oh, I was like, just thinking, I was waiting for days. you to put the you boot were in. You were close. You were bowling loads. Too many loads. Too many bowling loads. You've got to travel <laughs> business class because you've got to be fresh when you get back. <laughs>
Um, yeah. No, she she she's got some impressive stories, but I mean, you know, she was at the the start of it all. So for her to see where it's come from now, I think is very special for Maureen to go out there and you know see. Like like I said, you know, looking at Eden Park yesterday, it was like wow, this is. You know, proper the detail, the attention to detail, and nothing yeah. better than a fresh white net. You know, be it basketball or football, like it just looks so good. And the Brilliant. football field looks like it fits with Eden Park perfectly. I mean, you, you'll see it on, on uh, I guess. What's well, a rugby ground, mate? Yeah. It just happens to be a bit of a basket case cricket ground that often produces quite weird and wacky and wonderful. Uh, Great events always at Eden ball. Park. Great events. Yeah, yeah, yes. The National Stadium, after all. Ten minutes away from 12 o'clock. Thank you again to Maureen Jacobson. Back after this break, SNZ can't wait to bring you every game of the Football World Cup. Because always on the show, we have uh, plenty of giveaways, including our rum and Q uh, prize pack. These are hotly wanted. These are hotly wanted. Because anyone who gets any rum and Q uh, products, Grant Elliott, uh, fall madly, deeply uh, in love with them. Uh, award-winning rubs, sauces, and seasonings. Rum and Q. What's rubbed you the wrong way? Well, Mark from Pukekohe writes, What's rubbed me the wrong way? I just brought quarter of a beast and nothing to rub on it. Rub me the right way, boys. <laughs> nice work, Mark. Nice yeah. work. We'll put you in the draw with the many, many other people. But Grant Elliott, he's been rubbed the wrong way this week, haven't you? Well, you know what? You know that this rum and Q stuff is bloody good when listeners are phoning in just to tell you how good it is. You're like, what's on your mind? Oh, I just want to tell you about the rum and Q stuff that you guys sent me. The meat juice, it's so good. Um, but so hopefully Mark will go into um, the uh, draw to win that rum and Q uh, pack. But I'm going to tell you what's rubbed me the wrong way. Well, I arrived in New Zealand and I left behind me my Springbok past as a fan. And it was a difficult decision to make. To bury your past and move forward to become a Kiwi and an All Blacks fan. The ultimate turncoat in the view of all Springboks <laughs> supporters. I'm a proud All Blacks supporter and I owe so much to New Zealand as a country and what it has given me. What rubs me the wrong way is the polarising support the All Blacks get. I feel like their fans are out there. There's the ones who dislike the brand and the sport and then there's those that love it and feel the patriotism attached to it. What I will say is that we need to get behind our sports that bear the New Zealand fern or flag on their chest. Let's celebrate our country and get behind our sportsmen and women who are there to inspire the youth into being passionate about their country too. And sports stars, play with passion and enthusiasm. The fans deserve it. Nice. So be more like Wombat, not Dean. Be Just like Wombat. Yeah, like, like our two uh, talkback callers, one at the top, one right at the end, who oddly, according to Wombat, sounds like they're actually going to be in the same room together later tonight. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to be a fly on the wall when they, have a, when they have a debate just prior to kickoff about who's right, about who made the better points on SENZ in the Saturday session? We should get a webcam on each of them. So like when the, the ball gets <laughs> dropped, you'll have Wombat going, oh, that's unlucky. And then Dino going, he's done it again. Get him off. Get him off. Get Summon. someone else on. Our combinations are sh tired. Yeah. He should never play for the All Blacks again. Yeah. No, well, let's it, calm down, mate. Don't overreact, mate. It's one little mistake. And I do love the, the polarizing views of our listeners. It's great. It's great to get that conversation going. But what I don't understand is how it seems to be like there's one camp that really does have a dislike for New Zealand rugby and the All Blacks. But then you've got, you know, on the other side, you've got Wombats who's just like 
patriotic as they come and positive as they come. And I'd like to, I, I think that sport, when you live in the country of the sport that you, you support, I think that you have to be positive. Uh, and um, there's nothing better than patriotism. That's why I love international sport. And that's why with cricket, I don't really want it to go to franchise model. I love international, like, you know, country versus country. Nothing better.